Welcome to this week's episode of The Running Effect with Dominic Schleter. I'm your host, Dominic, and in today's episode, episode 60 of The Running Effect, I speak with Jeff Merrill. For those who aren't familiar with Jeff, Jeff is the founder and um, current chief intern, as he likes to call himself, at Tracklandia and the current president of Portland Track. But Jeff is also perhaps best known for his brilliant skills behind the mic as a commentator. Uh, This upcoming weekend, we have one of the biggest meets ever put on U.S. soil called the Track Meet, presented by Sound Running. And Jeff will be commentating this race, and Tracklandia will be helping to put on this race. So in this episode, Jeff and I do a deep dive into all of the big races. We go through the big storylines. We go through the big heavy hitters and uh, dish out some hot takes, some predictions. This episode is all about getting you ready to watch this weekend's The Track Meet. And for those who maybe are curious to hear who is in the meet, because I'm hyping it up so much, trust me, the hype lives up to it. Uh, We got Jakob Ingebrigtsen, the Olympic gold medalist in the 1500, uh, stepping up to the 5K. The person that placed third in that Olympic race, Josh Kerr, is also in the 5K. We got Joe Klecker, Drew Hunter, Robert Brandt, Connor Mance, Edward Chesrek, collegiate star and former uh, guest on the podcast, Yara Nagus, another former guest, Nico Young, Abdi Hamid. Nur, double indoor champ this past year. Then we have high school sensation Lex Young and Colin Solomon. Um, we also, on the women's side, have Wayne Kalati, Alicia Monson, uh, Gabrielle Debuse Stafford, Josette Norris, Sinclair Johnson, Shannon Osika, Sage Herda, Corey McGee, Olivia Baker, Raven Rogers stepping up to the 1500 for the first time. This meet is absolutely stacked, and I left out a bunch of names. Um, so just go to the go to the uh, Sound Running website to to see the full list of athletes attending this meet because this meet is truly stacked. And the really special thing about this meet is every four dollars of the 5.99 pay-per-view ticket goes directly to the athletes and prize purse. Um, as Jesse Williams in last podcast was saying athletes will make more from this meet from a broadcasting standpoint than they would at the Olympics and by purchasing a ticket you're directly giving back to the athletes running this meet so you can go to the show notes of this episode and purchase your ticket for this weekend's the track meet but uh, before we hop into the episode uh, it would really mean a lot if you guys subscribe to the show and gave us a five-star review on Spotify and tell your friends about the show that way we can hopefully help improve the sport of running and reach as many people as possible. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jeff Merrill. Let's get into it. Jeff, welcome to the Running Effect podcast for this fun little preview edition of this weekend's track meet. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. These uh, The Running Effect offices are beautiful. Thank you for having me. Chair's very comfy. <laughs> Looking forward to talking. So just before we get into some of the spicy races that we'll have on deck this weekend, can you give people a little background behind who Jeff Merrill is and along with that, uh, what Tracklandia is and how it started and um, how you guys have improved the sport of running? Man, well, that's a, let's see, that's a whole can of worms there. (laughs) A little background to to who I am. Um, Well, I I call myself the chief intern at at Tracklandia. Um. Cause we're just we're just a bunch of people there looking to have a good time and and make the sport a little more entertaining and do the athletes justice by putting up great races and then broadcasting them um, 
to get the excitement going and get the hair on the back of people's necks standing up uh, when they're watching them. So Tracklandia, I guess, started uh, as a kind of late night show that Andy Weeding and I did uh, maybe 2018, I think so. So uh, the goal there was just to kind of like give people a glimpse into uh, who the athletes were towing the line, uh, what kind of skill sets they brought to the table, uh, what personalities they had, and how those two things intermixed and gave you a strategy or tactics that they used in the race. So uh, the show itself started out being kind of goofy, and uh, and we had a lot of fun. And then it kind of, Tracklandia progressed into being more of kind of a media wing for Portland Track, which is an organization in Portland that puts on the Portland Track Festival and um, the Stumptown Twilight, among other things. And I think maybe our first foray into showing people the kind of entertainment value and uh, interesting kind of production value um, that track could have was when we put on the Portland 5000 at the Nike track. Um, and we, we were working with RJ McNichols. We made a film called The Hunt. And that was kind of a different view into what racing was all about. And that race was largely, it was a time trial, but we wanted to show who the characters were involved, uh, what they were attempting to do, and then also to use different mediums and methods of storytelling to reach new audiences and keep the, the storyline and the essential pieces of the race authentic. But I, but if we reach out and we use like different things like lighting or music or, or even, uh, how we commentate races, I feel like we can introduce more or the sport to new fans. And that's what we attempted to do. So from there, I guess we, we produced and packaged the big friendly series. Um, and then we started working with sound running and we've done some of their meets as well, starting in 2021 last year. And we still work with Portland track as well. And, uh, I'm the president of Portland track. So newly, uh, newly voted in this year. Yeah. Congrats. But, um, a, a fun little side note about that previous podcast guest and uh, fan favorite and friend of the show, Michael Bergman was the previous president. So I guess it's becoming a trend that the president of Portland track comes on the running effect. So a big congratulations to you for, uh, getting that role. And I'm excited to see how you, uh, push the sport forward through Portland track. Yeah, well, I've been Bergie and I've been working together for a while, and uh, he's still he's still around. He's on the board too. So this is kind of a, a transition year where the two of us are are co-presidenting. But wow. he's got um, some he's got his hands all over the place in different organizations in Oregon, and we're spreading ourselves um, all over the map so that we can get more done. But so uh, yeah, starting next year, I guess it's my my kingdom. <laughs> so on a on a per- really. <laughs> on a personal level, and for those who haven't watched previous meets, um, you're also the man behind the mic for most of these Tracklandia meets, and if I might say so myself, uh, the best commentator in the game. I think I that's actually the first time we ever connected was I, I messaged you, and I was like, man, you know, you're so much better than all these people from NBC or whatever. So, uh, not to throw shots at NBC, <laughs> but it's true. Jeff Merrill's a man of the people behind the mic. So, what's it like, I'm curious 
because you're commentating like Matt Centrowitz going after an American record in the mile. You're commentating some big races, you know, Grant Fisher going after the 10K American record. So can you give people a little like scene of what it's like, you know, calling these races from behind the mic and uh, all the preparation that goes into it? Yeah, I think, uh, well, when you put it that way, it's, it's pretty nerve wracking because <laughs> uh, going into a race like the Centro Mile or um, these races, these record attempts where, where great things are possible, anything is possible in a race, uh, which is what makes it amazing. And I think what first drew me to meet directing as well was that we can attempt to set the stage uh, as, as best as we can, but ultimately we don't know what's going to happen in the end. So we just have to um, like do all of the, the window dressing and make sure that uh, when, every, when something hits on the track, when somebody makes a move or, um, or there's a split that's amazing or whatever it is, and then when a result happens, when uh, somebody overtakes another runner at the finish line and, and the crowd goes wild, we can make sure that the, the mood is heightened to be able to respect that moment on the track. So, um, yeah, that's the main goal. Uh, but I guess the preparation for, for announcing is, is you have to make sure that you have all of the essential information, like, like what's their, their each athlete's last, uh, result, what's their PR, what's their season best, what, uh, all those things, who are they affiliated with their nationality, that nation, that nation's national record. Um, all of these notes and it, it goes into this huge spreadsheet that we have. And most of the time we don't talk about any of that information, but we need to have it. So I think mainly what we try to do when we get on the mic, uh, me and, and whoever else it is, we try to, um, explain to the ath or explain to the audience, the game that's happening on the track. And that's how we kind of position, uh, the sport is that racing at its, at its heart is a game. And each athlete tells the line as a different character or, or player in the game. And they each have their, their separate skill set and their, their strategy and what they're going to come in. And then they have to take stock of everybody else in the game too and what they're, they're coming in with and what they're bringing in to play with and what they might do. And I feel like once we look at the sport, from that lens, then it opens it up to a million different possibilities of what can happen on the track. And it's not just a bunch of athletes who are lining up to see who the fastest is. It's how, how is the winner going to get to the line first and what do they have to navigate in order to do that? And it's a bunch of different storylines coming together and clashing and weaving together and uh, creating this tapestry of a race. So that's what, that's what we try to, to get across in the broadcast and we do it as best as we can i guess <laughs> well after you say it like that i don't know how someone can't buy a ticket to this week's track meet um i think you sold a bunch of fans because how you said that was like poetry you're, you're so good at your job okay let's uh let's just hop right into some of these races on tap for this weekend i think the people have uh heard enough of of me asking you questions Let's just hop right in from uh, one of the lower distances of the sponsored races. Um, the first sponsored race on tap, I believe, is the Gooder, which is a phenomenal sunglass brand. I actually wore a pair on my run today. Highly recommend. 
and they're not sponsoring me uh, to say that. You must be in a sunny place. <laughs> um, the Gooder Women's 800. Um, so who are you, uh, what are the big headlines uh, going into this race, and who are some of the, the contenders in this race? Man, I'm really excited about this race, actually. Um, I think the storyline surrounding this is, if you look on the start list here, you have three Atlanta Track Club athletes, and they're top contenders in this race. Allie Wilson uh, was the runner-up last year at the track meet to none other than Laura Muir. Uh, she broke two, and then you have Sadie Henderson coming in, too. She's run 158 last year in Sacramento, and then Olivia Baker, too, coming off of a great indoor season. So these these three athletes here, I feel like uh, if I'm the Atlanta Track Club, if I'm Adidas, I'm I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, like they, they could sweep this race. It's but I mean they have to contend with Corey McGee in there as well. And and I feel like down here in the states we tend to overlook the Canadians as well. And Lindsay Butterworth is in there, and she takes a lot of races down here in the states and does it uh, somewhat quietly, somewhat overlooked. So I wouldn't overlook Lindsay Butterworth in this. And I see looking at our site right now. Um, she doesn't have any votes from the fan poll, which I think is, is atrocious. <laughs> Somebody needs to get in there and start clicking that thumbs up for Lindsay Butterworth. But who knows what could happen in this race. Um, Nia Aikens, too. They call her the baby beast. Like She had a great great result at Penn Relays. and um, She's looking to get under two flats still. So I think this race is definitely gearing up for a sub-two performance, but I don't know. I'm curious to see, like, can can Atlanta track club, are they going to institute some team tactics here and try and go one, two, three? Interesting. That's what I'm looking for here. Yeah, it's it's the yeah. Olympian Corey McGee versus the three Atlanta track club athletes versus the Canadian versus the Brooks Beast, the baby beast, as you called her. So this race will definitely be interesting. You kind of mentioned this a second ago, but do you think this race uh, will go under two? What's your over-under? I think so. I mean, I, I would say... Um, I would give it more of a chance to go under two than over. So what is that? I don't know. I don't know how to place odds on these, things, <laughs> but I would call it a a 75% chance that it goes under two here. Gotcha. But what's most important is the win. So we'll see who does that. Totally. I know uh, these wouldn't really matter in an 800 as much, given it's a faster race. And I should have asked this before we dove into some of these races. But are any of these races paced slash have some of those fancy lights on the track? Or are they just like pure competitive races? These are pure competitive races. So they like we will have a pacer out there. Uh, Jesse, Jesse Williams is, is setting this up really nicely and, and making sure that everybody's being taken through it at the paces that uh, will set them up for a fast time. But I believe this one is going to be going out at a, at a sub two pace. So that could mean 400 is going through in either 57 to, to 58 here. So it's up to the racers whether they want to latch onto that, but uh, we'll see. I mean, who do you think is going to take this down? You know, I'm going to be generic and say Corey McGee just because she's an Olympian. She's run fast, and uh, I think we, we started to see a glimpse of her this indoor season. She was kind of starting to heat up. But again, as you say, uh, you know, there are so many other good contenders. So my gut is saying Corey McGee, and as the saying goes, go with your gut. So I'm going with Corey McGee. 
Um, let's move on to the, the woman's 1500, which when I was going through the list of races, which by the way, are like some of the most stacked races I've ever seen. Like it's hard to find a race that doesn't have one of your favorite athletes in it. But with that being said, the woman's 1500, I gotta say is one of the most stacked races of the night. In my opinion, you got, um, uh, union athletic members, Shannon Osika and Sinclair Johnson, coming down from the altitude of Flagstaff. You have Gabrielle Debut Stafford, uh, Olympian Canadian record holder. You saw her rip it up indoors. Uh, Alicia Monson from the OAC. You have so many. Also Sage Herta, her teammate who broke two for the last time last weekend. So going up uh, in an event. And you also have a few other Olympians in the mix. So can you kind of take us through this race and do what you did with the women's 800? Who do you think will be the heavy hitters? And, and what are some of the storylines going into this race? Because this race is absolutely stacked and it's going to be fascinating to uh, to see how it plays out. Yeah, this one's going to be really interesting. And I'm, I'm very excited for this race. And, uh like you said, we've got the, the UAC in there, uh, formerly Peach Dragons, and then the OAC. So that UAC OAC battle is going to be going to be pretty interesting. So I know that there's some talk on the gram right now, and maybe Twitter and, and all those social apps about how are how are we going to decide this matchup between UAC and OAC, and, and people are leaning towards the combined over or time between Alicia Monson and Sage Herta versus Shannon Osika and Sinclair Johnson, but I tend to like going with uh, cross-country scoring better because that focuses on the win here, and it's, it's all about racing, and maybe the, the tiebreaker will be the combined time. So we'll, I think uh, I'm, I'm curious to see who gets the lowest combined place between Shannon Osika, Sinclair Johnson versus Alicia Monson and Sage Herta. I think that um Gabriella Debuse Stafford wanted to jump in here as well. So she was a late add to the field, which is pretty cool. Um I mean something that I hope this pay per view system does that we're pushing is if fans buy tickets early enough and athletes see the prize purse go up, then they can be like, Oh yeah, I want to jump in there. I could take that. And, uh, and fans can actually influence the races that they want to see and the matchups that they want to see. So I'm not saying that's what happened with, with GDS here, but I'm happy she's in the field. And I think she's immediately um, probably the favorite in this field. But that's not to say that any of these athletes can't take it. I mean, Katie Snowden last year, she's last year's returning champion, and she took it, uh, the track meet in a surprise victory last year. So, I mean, she's... She could do it as well. She beat Kate Grace last year, and who knows? Um, yeah, I think I think she could take it. I hope Rebecca Mera jumps in there too. I know she was she was dealing with kind of a little little calf injury, but always good to see her race. And then I'm excited to see Hannah Green back on the track in a 1500 too. I love these. My favorite type of runner is the 800 1500 runner. So. Now you get everybody specializing so much that you're either an 800 runner or 1500 runner, but those athletes that can, they can really jam a 400 and, and that makes them good or 800 runners. They've got the speed and they've got the endurance to move up to 1500. I don't know what it is, but those are my favorite kinds of athletes. And Hannah Green's one of those athletes. So I'm always pulling for her. 
So what do you think? Yeah, okay, so on the UAC versus OAC front, I got to go with the UAC. I like, you know, Sinclair Johnson on Pete's Dragons, that that move. It seems like, you know, she has a world best under her. I know it just got broken, but uh, she, world best, world record, same thing. Uh, she got one of those in the DMR, I believe, um, this this past winter. And Shannon Osika, she got fourth place at the Olympic trials in the 1500 last year. So it's hard to bet against that bunch, especially when Alicia and Sage, this isn't their primary event, whereas Shannon and, and Sinclair, you know, that's, that's, I mean, Sinclair uh, does the 800 sometimes, but that's more of their, their event. So I'll go with the UAC on that front. And then as you were saying, I agree that, yeah, GDS is the, the big favorite. And it's kind of fun when these big athletes get on Strava, GDS being one of them. And I can confirm from her Strava that she ran almost uh, 17 miles yesterday, but she did say in the notes, she said, wore my fast shoes today to save the legs before a race this week. So she she's kicking out the vapor flies to feel fresh for this race. She's taking it seriously. And uh, I think, you know, I think she could take this from a tactical standpoint. She could go out from the gun hard. Um, I just like her experience in this race. So I'll, I'll take her for the win. But um, on a on a little bit of a different note, one of the, you know, there are more than just the highlighted races that we're covering today. And one of those is the Women's 1500 Section 2. And in the entries, I was very excited to see Raven Rogers in it. And as you were just saying, exactly, you love the four. 800, 800 type moving up in distance. What is your opinion on Raven going up to the 15 and, and what do you think we can expect from her? Because, you know, Pete knows what he's doing when he's moving these athletes up. We saw Brazier, a very similar athlete to Raven, run like a 335 when he did this. So can you can you give us some insight over there? Yeah, I think uh, I could probably say that she's not happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that, uh, yeah, she... She would like to run the 400 or the 800 much more than the 1500. But uh, the way that Pete trains his athletes, and like you said, we saw we saw Donnie Braz throw it down uh, in that 1500 at the first big friendly. So who knows what can happen there? Um, I I after that I thought well because they were always talking about Donovan and, and like Donovan wants to run the four by four for the for Team USA. Um, and after he ran 335, closing in 52, I thought to myself, well, if, if he can run an 800 in, in 142 and 1500 in 333 shape, I guess, the way that he ran that, that 1500, maybe his 400 time isn't all that good <laughs> because you have to figure out where that average is coming from somewhere. But then he goes out and blasts 46, close to 46 flat this indoor season. And you know he's got wheels to run 45. So the sky's the limit for him. And, and likewise with Raven Rogers, you can't ever underestimate these athletes because they're, they're trained at such a high level. And throwing them into something new, you also don't have all of those kind of um, those experiences and those connectors that they can rely on and say like, oh, well, or those times that they, they understand so well. And tossing him into something totally new is just kind of, hey, go out and run it and we'll see what happens. And something amazing could happen. So I like that you pointed that out. Um, I'm not, I have no idea what, what Raven could run in a 1500, but Pete wouldn't put her in there unless he, uh, unless he figured she could do something pretty, pretty fast in there. Yeah. It's... Uh, also, though, I mean, we see that 
like in these early season meets too, which is fun that, that athletes run some off distances. Like we'll see in the, the men's 5k when we get to that too. But, uh, it takes, it takes a lot of endurance to be able to get through the rounds and for somebody like Raven to run a 1500, it's going to set her up nicely for later in the, in the summer when she races at Hayward field in the world championships, hopefully, I mean, fingers crossed she makes the team, but, um, yeah, pulling for team USA there. Yeah, I like your thinking there, and it's not like this this meet needed another storyline, given we have so many going into it, but that's definitely an interesting storyline, and uh, it'll be fascinating to, to see how she runs that 1500. Let's move on to the Athletic Brewing Men's 1500. In this race, we got the trio teammates, Will Paulson, Jake Hayward, Vincent Ciotti. He just won a U.S. mile road title uh, last week, so he's got that momentum. We also have German Olympic athlete, former podcast guest, Amos Bartelsmeyer, uh, NCAA star Yard Nagus. Um, we got uh, world indoor qualifier Sam Prakel, Sam Tanner. Um, Isaac Yorks. We got a bunch of guys in another stacked race. So again, uh, I keep asking you this, but all these races are so, so stacked. Who are you looking for in this race, and what do you think are the storylines going into this one? Well, again, like we talked about with the women's eight, you've got yeah, you know, you've got three athletes in here from the same team: Gang Green, the Oregon Track Club, and Will Paulson just running three thirty three, and and Ciotti taking that U.S. road mile cha- or yeah championships. And then Jake Hayward, too. Talking to Ben Blankenship about Jake Hayward, that guy has ice in his veins. <laughs> like, he, he never changed his expression on the track. Uh, I think he, yeah, he breathes through his nose the whole time he's running out there. And he is the, he's the top returner in this race, too. He was, last year, he was runner-up to Centro. Um, last year's race at the track meet in the men's 15. Was kind of Centro's coming out party for for 2021 when he ran 335 again, and and everybody's like, "Oh, Centro's back." Um, yeah, Jake Hayward was right on his tail there. So I, I like the I like Gang Green in there, and I know that those guys are 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 talking to each other too about how they're gonna race this thing because I mean, as much as they want to beat each other, they they like to represent uh, represent their team and get after it a little bit against this competition. So I, you have to think that the college athletes in here have a target on their back, namely Yara Nagus. Um, Cause nobody wants college athletes coming up as a pro to, to take their limelight. And that's exactly what Yara Nagus did in the, uh, <clears throat> in the Olympic trials last year. But I mean, he's got a target on his back and, uh, yeah, and I think guys like Amos Bartelsmeyer, uh, Sam Prakel being being a U.S. man too, like he wants to go in there and uh, and make some noise. And you can't count out anybody on the beast too. So Isaac York's in there too. He's jumping back on the horse and ran a 1500 of the 10. But um, the beasts have a really solid team team chemistry and just kind of overall team um, team feel. So I know that he's driving a lot of energy off of that, and they like to get each other pumped up before meet. So I know he's going to be coming to the line knowing that he's got the backing of, of all the beasts and, and all of Seattle on his side. So I have a few quick questions for you about this race. The first one is, are you taking OTC Elite or the field on this one? Who do you think wins, like if you had to choose? Do you think it's going to be someone from OTC oh, or the field? Oh, man. 
That's a good, that's a really good question. I, I think the line there is probably close to 50, 50. I mean, I would put it, put it in the field's hands. So maybe I'd go 40, 60. So 60 to the field, 40 to, uh, to the OTC because Paulson just running 333. He's in great shape. And I, I mean, I'm looking at Nagoose knowing that he can close like crazy. But if you've got those guys like, like Paulson who can jump on the pace and drive it hard and then see doesn't like to lose to anybody, but you're not going to shake Jake Hayward too. He's an Olympic finalist. And if I'm a betting man, I'm looking at Jake Hayward to, uh, to take this thing. Um, I mean, I'm, I have, I have no, uh, I, I can't, or yeah, I have, I have no dog in this fight and I have to remain neutral on the broadcast, which I will, but if I'm a betting man, I'm taking Jake Hayward. Yeah, after Sidious Mag dropped a workout Wednesday this morning, and Jake Hayward closed a very long workout in the easiest 227-1K I've ever seen. You know, he's fit, he's ready to go. Um, Will Paulson, as you said, just ran 333. He's ready to go. All these guys seem ready to go and ready to run fast. My second question is, you mentioned Centro being at this meet last year and winning it. I believe his time was 335, which was a meet record. So do you think that meet record falls on uh, on this weekend? Oh, it depends on how they want to take this thing out. And I know that the pacer is going to be going out uh, probably closer to 332 pace for this race. So if they jump on it, then it's definitely possible. But I think I'm interested to see, like, if we look at the, the splits entirely of this race, too, how that plays out. Like, even if it does go out, if they don't latch on to the pacer early, which I think when you have a field like this, somebody will. Um, but who's going to drive that, that third lap? And that's really going to dictate it. Because usually on the domestic side, the person who does that is Josh Kerr. Like, nobody nobody runs a final 600 like Josh Kerr or a final 800. And it's just absolutely ridiculous that, that his third lap can be the fastest lap of his race at some point. But that that's absent in this race, somebody who, who notably does that. So I think if we want to see a meet record, somebody will have to do that. And then I mean, at that point, anybody can, can run a, Anybody is going to to blitz that last four hundred, so it could be anybody in this race. But okay. I would I would look. Nobody's going to shake Jake Hayward at this point. I don't think. Mm-hmm. But Yard and the Goose could also close very hard. Yeah. So my final question so. is along the lines of Yard. You said the race is being paced at three thirty two pace. As we know, as big track fans, the fifteen hundred meter collegiate record was broken a few weeks ago by Iliad Kipsang. He ran three thirty three and change. And I know Yard personally. I know he's a man of business. And if you're flying all the way from South Bend, Indiana to California, you definitely mean business. So this might be a hot take, but do you think Yard Nagus breaks the collegiate record this weekend? I think he's got a choice to make when he's out there. And that's that's always what I like to, to dig into when races are going on, because you know that uh, there are conflicting there are decisions that, that an athlete has to make, particularly in that third lap. What do they want out of this thing? And Yard's going to have to decide, does he want the win or does he want the record? Because in a field like this, if you jump on a horse within that third lap, your chances of winning the, the race, unless you're a Josh Kerr type, uh, they, 
they're, they become slimmer. So we'll see if he wants, if he wants to shot at that 333, he's going to have to jump out there and, and make that happen. But then the, the pros behind him are going to be licking their chops because they're going to be sitting on him too. So that'll be, that'll be a really interesting thing to look for in that third lap. And that's all up to Nagoose, I think. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, you know, Yard's been on the podcast before. I'm friends with him. He, he's one for going after it. And as you, uh, or as I'm thinking while you were talking, we, we can't remember, or we got to remember last year, uh, when he went out at the ACC championships, completely soloed a collegiate record, completely soloed it. You know, in this race, it's going to be rabbited and he's going to have competition. I know it's a hot take, but I'm saying Yard Nagoose goes under 333 and takes the collegiate record. That's that's one hot take of the night, at least from Dominic Schleter. And uh, you know, I don't bet. I'm not of age to bet, but if if I was, I would I would put money on Yard. Like you're saying, I think he's he's gonna have to make that decision. And if he makes the decision to push on that third lap, he's probably not gonna get the win, um, especially in a field of such talented people. Um, but you know, hot take. I think he goes under 333. Um, you know, again, as I was saying, you you don't go from South Bend, Indiana, all the way out to California for no reason. So I think that's a, a quiet storyline going into this. See how fast he'll run. But yeah. regardless, regardless, it's going to be really good experience. You know, you got the regional meet, the NCAA meet coming up. This is going to be awesome experience for him to race against some really amazing international talent. And uh, we'll see how that plays on the NCAA stage. But you know, maybe this is just a little lesson for yard and he's trying to get some experience but regardless i think he's going to run fast and compete so very very excited for that men's 15 uh moving up in distance we got the koros women's 5000 meter so what are your thoughts on the koros women's 5000 but yeah she she broke out here and last year running 1451 i believe so uh we'll see what she can do this time around but i mean you can't count out ali buhowski too um she's a sub 15 athlete and then one of my personal favorite stories is Sarah Lancaster. She was a basketball player at University of Texas and and then picked up running afterwards. And now she's run 405 in the 1500 and low 15s in the 5K. So, uh, And she's got a nose for racing as well. She, she digs in and she knows how to position well leading into the later laps of a race. And I think we're just waiting for, for that point where she totally figures it out and takes the win in one of these major races. So I'd keep an eye on Sarah Lancaster as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but so many great athletes in here too. Emily Lapari's having a another great season um, coming off of surgery, and then Whitney Orton and Morgan too. So um, a lot of a lot of good athletes, and I think a lot of these a lot of these women are looking to go under fifteen, seeing what happened last year, but. Uh, yeah, I'd still put my money on, on Josette Norris here. What do you think? Yeah, I think another interesting storyline will be some of these post-collegiates. You got Katie Izzo, Ellie Hennis, um, and uh, Whitney Orton, as you just mentioned. It'll be interesting to see how they kind of kick off their first full you know, professional season because um, it's, you know... Sometimes these athletes make big jumps when they go from, you know, the collegiate scene to then the professional scene when they can go up to altitude more and, and dedicate more time and focus to their craft. So I'm really interested to see who wins out of those three because they were uh, very used to uh, competing against each other on the NCAA scene in the 3K and the 5K. 
even on the grass. So I'm excited for that storyline. Um, but as you mentioned it, you know, you cannot not go with jo- Josette Norris, I feel like. Um, she's just been looking so good all year. And even if you look at her this past indoor season, you know, she was all business. She was running fast. Um, she stuck with GDS in that 3K in New York earlier in, I think, February. So she seems in really good form this time of year. And as you were saying, she ran really, really fast last year at this meet. So I'm excited to uh, to see, you know, what she can do, what she can run. Um, do you know what these these races are being paced at? This five thousand. So this this five thousand, I believe, is is paced at uh, sub sub fifteen. Gotcha. So I'm not exactly sure. Let's um, let's do a little bit of digging here. Yeah, yeah, right around fifteen. Um. So yeah, I think uh, and and think about how we how we look at these these athletes too. And in our mind, like Josette Norris now is kind of a, she's a, a bona fide contender on the U S stage and, and getting there on the world stage as well. And, and we're looking at her as a favorite, but last year that wasn't the case last year. She was coming in as, as um, yeah, somebody who, who was a mid packer maybe. Um, so anything can happen in these races and, and the way that we think about athletes and look at them uh, is very, very reliant on, on how they perform over the last year in our minds. Like now there's, so there's somebody like a Josette Norris where it, it could be Sarah Lancaster or it could be Ellie Hennis or, or Natasha Rogers or, or whoever who comes out, has a breakout performance and, and that's what they need to unlock something. And then they can go on a tear after that. And then that totally, shifts the way that we think about them. So Josette Norris becoming Josette Norris is, is a recent thing. And, and that can happen for anybody here, which is super exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. Um, you know, Josette Norris, if you would have asked us a year, a year ago, we wouldn't have realized how good she would have gotten. And I'm sure we'll have some athletes that kind of have their coming out party at the track meet. So that'll be exciting to see who those athletes are. I think also an interesting storyline is you have, you know, some of these track athletes that went to the roads and then are coming back on the track, specifically Maddie Ulm and Carrie Verdon, both from Boulder. It'll be interesting to see how they fare. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for this race. Um, over under, or I won't do over under. How many athletes do you think are going under 15 in this race? Hmm. Let's see. I'm going to put it at three and a half. Yeah. If you ask me, if you ask me if Grant Fisher or yeah, going into, going into the 10, I said, ah, maybe we'll have a few athletes that get under 27, but nobody's touching Galen Rupp's back. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was wrong there. Um, but yeah, and I could, I could very well be wrong here. So it, it could be 10 athletes. I mean, I'm, I'm putting it at three and a half, but yeah, maybe I'm, I'm setting the line wrong here. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. Definitely be interesting. Okay, let's move on to probably what I would, call, what I would call the race of the night, the OAC men's 5,000 meters, where you got Edward Chesrek, Nico Young, Roy Linkletter, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Jakob Ingebrigtsen, Hassan Mead, um, David Ribich, Josh Kerr, Joe Klecker, Drew Hunter, Sam Parsons, Connor Mance, Patrick Dever, Connor McMillan, Henry Wynn, Abdi Hamid Nur, Drew Bosley, and so many other accomplished guys. I don't know even where to start with this one, so I'll just pass the mic over to you. What are your What are your thoughts going into this absolutely stacked 5,000 meters? I feel like we haven't had too many uh, 5,000 meters as stacked on, as this one on U.S. soil. So, 
you know, this, this meet is going to be fireworks. No, yeah. And like you said, it's, well, it starts with Jakob Ingebrigtsen because he's, he is by far the heavy favorite in this race. And, and this is a loaded race too, but he's run 1248 and none of these other men have broken 13. Uh, so that's, that's a, when you get down that far in time too, 12 seconds is quite a bit, but imagine if one of these athletes, especially a U.S. athlete here, beat Jakob in this race. But everybody would lose their minds. That would be that would be the biggest thing to happen. Uh, it like for for U.S. distance running, at least on the men's side, in a long time. Uh, that that would be incredible, especially if it was one of these athletes. But anything's possible, and it might happen. Um, so, so we have to look out for that. I mean, you've got guys in here. Well, Edward Cheserek, too. That guy is so talented, and when he puts it together, he can have himself a day. So I, I know that this race is most likely not going to be paced for, for a world record, but it's going to be hot. And I think, I think we could see some surprises in here. And I know that people are also looking at uh, Rivich and Kerr, the sit and kick boys from the Beast versus the 10 men in there, Drew Hunter and Sam Parsons. So that'll be something to watch. And then you can't count out Joe Klecker too. Uh, he's so strong out there making the 10 K team last year and he's coming off of injury as well. So um, this will be, this will be an interesting tell for him to see where he is, but who knows? Like I'm, I'm very curious about Nur and young and, and just seeing what they can do against the big boys here. Cause this is early season for the pros. And a lot of times when, when pro athletes and college athletes match up early in the pro season, um, the college athletes come out on top and they, they, can, they can get the better of them just because their fitness has come along a little bit further. And then by the time you get to the mid and late summer, that's pro territory and, and, and they take over. And, uh, their peak might be a little higher. But then you get, you get stories like a Cole Hawker who comes out and and just bucks that system and places six in the Olympics. So something could happen there. But this is a unique point in time where one of these college boys could come up and, and really cause a stir with these pro guys, too, because it is early May. So we know that these guys, like the NAU boys, are peaking for their championship season. So they're going to get the best shot that they can get at, at somebody like an Inga Britson or, or a Kerr or even a Ribbage. So I'm looking forward to that kind of aspect of this race. Yeah, so, so many storylines just within this individual race. Uh, a few questions, follow-up questions. Who are you taking, Jakob Ingebrigtsen versus the field? I got to go with, with Jakob there. But, um, well, I would definitely set the line in, in Jakob's favor. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I would agree. Because I like to see, yeah, if I like to see chaos, then I, I would set the line in Jakob's favor and I would take the field. and then how many guys under 13 do you think they're they're going to be because i think one very fascinating thing is unless i have my statistics wrong here no one else has broken 13 other than jakob ingebrigtsen i believe the next fastest guy is hassan mead at 1302 if i'm getting those numbers right Mm -hmm. and uh but i you know so many of these guys i feel like are fit enough to do it um so how many guys do you think are going to go under 13 and also like to that you know this is the perfect race to do it because there's so many guys like this and the race is going to be paced well so so what are your thoughts on that one 
Yeah, I would like to see a handful go under 13 here. Uh, it would be great to see. Uh, I, I think we're going to see a, a pretty fast close in this race. And so that's that's where we're going to really see what, what Ingebrigtsen can do at his best. Because that's, I mean, the guy is so strong. And, and how he ran 328 to take the 1500 in the Olympics last year was just mind-boggling, being able to, to drive the pace like that as a, as a strategy to win the race, that is the most impressive thing. I think we're seeing a lot of records these days that are set in perfect, in yeah, perfect record time trial situations. But if you can see times like a 328 set as the product of a race strategy, trying to win, that's, that's something special. And I think if we get something like that in a race like this, which is, which will be paced well at the front uh, and on the first half of the race. But if we can see some of these guys really dig in like a Drew Hunter um, or a, or a Josh Kerr or a David Ribbish or a, or a Sid uh, get a booty, then I feel like we could see a handful of these guys go under. And I would love the kind of confidence that that could give them to be able to mix it up in, in a real racing situation too, because I mean, that's what this is going to be. And, and further down the line too, that's kind of what you want to brush up and, and uh, improve on is your, your ability to, to make moves and, and tactically defend your position and attack when you need to. Okay. I got to ask, this is a different race, but uh, men's 50 or men's 5,000 meter section two. Um, we got Nico, young's brother lex young in that which i think is is going to be a phenomenal race and a phenomenal opportunity for him to run fast how how fast do you think he's going to run we've seen him run you know 404 in the mile he ran the second all-time indoor 3k time this past winter he's clearly fit and ready to run a fast 5k so so what do you think lex is going to run i think that's a uh, another amazing storyline going into this meet i think he'd get under 14 I mean, it depends on how that race goes too, but that would be, yeah, that would be huge for him. And I know uh, you'd be seeing a lot of tweets from Chris Derrick too after that, because <laughs> he ran thirteen fifty five and in college down there in in LA at uh, at Arcadia. So, yeah, maybe you'd see a uh, a lot of a lot of defending his performance against uh, Lex in a in a pro meet here, but. Yeah, I think it's possible for him, and I'd, I'd I'd love to see that as well. I mean, I think what what Newberry Park is doing is ridiculous and unheard of, and I, I've never seen anything else like it. I mean, I went to high school in California, and uh, the the things that they're doing on cross country courses there, even at, at Woodward Park, is like when I was in when I was in high school, nobody broke fifteen minutes at Woodward Park, and now it's it's commonplace and they're, they're running 14 twenties. So yeah, I, I think if you can run, if you can run in that, in that ballpark at Woodward park, then it, it's, it's very doable to, to get under the 14 minute mark. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to push it even further. I think Lex has his sights on Nico's personal best, which I think is 
1351, which he did in a controlled setting during COVID uh, back in 2020. And Galen Rupp was sitting on the sidelines cheering Nico on. So I think Lex is, is going to go after the brotherly pride and, and see if he can come out on top uh, with the fastest high school 5K PR. But we'll see. That's definitely going to be an interesting uh, race to watch. And as you've kind of alluded to, and this goes with any race, it definitely depends on how the race is paced and when the pacer steps off, who decides to take it. Uh, because again, as you were lying out so perfectly, it's like a lot of times you got to decide, do you want the win or do you want the fast time? So it'll be interesting to see what Lex decides in that race. Um, let's move on to the final two races of the night, the women's 10,000 and the men's 10,000. Starting out with the women's 10,000, we're going up double distance from the 5K. Who are the heavy hitters in this race and uh, what are the storylines going into this one? Yeah, definitely looking at Wayne Kalati there. For sure. Uh, and I would love, yeah, I think I think she's the favorite in this race. But I would love to see uh, Carmela Baez give her a, a run for her money here because I know that she's been training really hard uh, out there in Boulder and she just hasn't hasn't gotten the right race yet, but I think it, it's on the way. So I, I'd love to see a good performance from her. And then you've got, Molly Grable there too, who ran an amazing 5K recently, and then Annie Frisbee is tough. I like marathon I, I would strength. Not count her out. Yes, yeah. So if she's locked in, then in the later stages of the race, you have to you have to look out for her because she's got that strength. So yeah, I'd look for I'd look for those athletes and Susan Crewmans as well. So this one, I mean, Wayne Kalati is is probably the the favorite here but I, I think we could see some this is a race where i think we could see some surprises and somebody make a name for themselves so i'd really love to see that happen mm -hmm. i think also when you look at the entry list there are a lot of um u.s women in this who i think are looking to each other to help each other to get some of the standards and knock that out of the way before they head into championship season so i think it'll be interesting to see how the tactics play into this one um you know i think when you get to the winnie kalates it's it's going to be a little more competitive but when you look at the woman in the middle of this pack i think a lot of those people are going to be helping each other out mid-race encouraging each other to to hit some of these these big standards yeah, this will be this will be a good one to end the night on here before the men's 10K. Yeah, speaking of the men's 10K, let's just dive right into it. We got a lot of big names. I mean, I, I need to stop saying a lot of big names because every single race in this meet has a ton of big names. Um, but in this one, we have Sean Tobin. He's stepping up in distance. I uh, ran the Penn Relays 4 by mile this past weekend. Um, talking about going down in distance, Nathan Martin, the marathoner. Uh, Robert Brandt on his uh, on his homeland in California. We got Brett Robinson, uh, B.S. Mbasa, Stephen Scullin, uh Ben Eidenshank, um, J.P. Flavin. I'm probably butchering some of these names. Um, C.U. Buff alum, John Dressel, so many other guys, Frank Lara. So who are you looking to in this men's 10K? And uh, kind of a fun question, who do you think is going to be the first guy to push the pace, have the guts to push the pace after the pacer steps off? Mm. Let's see. Well, I, I, I think uh, somebody that I'm looking to for the win, as well as the guy that that's going to be pushing the pace. Well, there there are two guys here. You can't overlook Zuhair Talbi, the defending champ here, uh, twenty-seven twenty last year, I believe, and and he did a lot of that work as well. He's he's tough to shake, but 
Sam Atkins. I'm keeping my eye on him. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Making a great run indoors in that 5,000 at BU. But then uh, paced brilliantly the 10, uh, setting up the Bowerman boys there. And I know that he wants to get after it. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do because I, I think that more than anybody else in this field, he wants to make a statement and he's capable of it too. So I would he would be my pick for somebody to jump on the pace when the rabbit steps off. And and I would I would put a uh, I think that he, he has a good shot at the win here too. Uh, you can't count out be a Simbasa. And and somebody too who I would like to see have a have a great race here is Ben Eidenschenk too. He's a he trains with a, a like out in Boulder and and just a great guy and really want to see him have a good performance here. Yeah, but, in my opinion, I think it's going to come down between Robert Brandt and Sam Adkin. Um, but regardless of the of who wins this race, I think the time's going to be fast, and I think these guys are going to be pushing each other to to run some really fast times. Um, yeah, this this race is definitely going to be fascinating. Do you do you know the number uh, of what it's going to be paced at? I believe it'll be paced at uh, twenty seven twenty pace. Ooh, or, okay. Or so, between twenty seven twenty and twenty seven thirty. So, so the pace will be hot early on. Yeah, that's awesome. Are there any other storylines in this one that that you're interested in talking about? Man, I mean, of course. There's. I I would love to see Sam Chalanga do well here too. And and the 10K is such a crapshoot too. You can, if you have a bad race in the 10K, then then it starts. It's going to be a long day for you or a long night. But look at you got all these Hanson's Brooks dudes in here too, and they came out to run the the crop chance earlier this this year or in December last year. Um, so they didn't come out to LA quite a bit, but it would be great to see them packing up as they did in the cross champs to get some good performances in there in the times because they the cross champs out at Mount Sac it was it was a double Mount Sac loop. So they ran the high school course twice. And uh, and the Hansons Brooks guys they had a very conservative, uh, well-thought-out strategy packing up together the first half and then just letting it loose in the second half. So it would be interesting to see if they can rely on each other, keep each other calm in the pack that first half, and, and then just you see Zach Panning has a – I think he was the one who jumped out and really started picking people off the second half of that cross-country race, And uh, but it could be any of these guys. Okay, uh, well – Yeah, this Friday. Yeah, well, it was super fun going through all of these races and uh, hearing some of the previews, hearing some of the storylines, and and going through some of the competitors. But to close out the episode, for people listening who are maybe unsure of whether or not they want to buy a ticket to the track meet, what is your elevator pitch to that person as to why they should pay the five ninety nine to watch the track meet this weekend? Man, elevator pitch. Let's see. Um... I, I would say just look at, at, at the fields here. And it, it, $5.99, it's, it's less than the price for, for, a, for a hamburger at McDonald's or, like, right around a meal. I don't know what they're charging these days. <laughs> I, get, I get the supersized one. So it's less than that. But for that, you get, uh, yeah, you get uh, like, all of these amazing races, and you can watch it again and again. So... I would say, yeah, buy a ticket, tell your friends to buy a ticket and 
the more we can get this prize purse up to, I think that uh, what I want people to see is that fans have the ability to influence the races that they'd like to see. And, and a big, um, yeah, a big concern in our sport is that we don't get to see the kind of matchups and the head to head racing that we'd like to see on more of a regular basis. We see it at championships. Um, and then largely runners are, are doing their own thing or, or somewhat dodging each other throughout the season. But if we can make each one of these meets special in the regular season and as fans tune in and, and support them with our, with our eyes. And then um, also $4 of every pay-per-view purchase goes straight into the purse. Um, so you're supporting not only with your eyes, but uh, monetarily as well. And that's how the big MMA fights happen, uh, which is what we want. We want this kind of to be because there's some, some big time prize fights in this, in this meet. So uh, I would say buy a ticket, enjoy the races, and uh, and support the sport. Also, you didn't mention this storyline. Jeff Merrill's going to be behind the mic, so why wouldn't you pay five ninety nine to hear him commentate? You know, I should have asked you this last question before we end this. Are there going to be bricks out there, or is it going to be uh, the wave light technology? Because I kind of liked the brickyard feeling last year. <laughs> oh man, the brickyard! I, I, the bricks are retired, from what I've heard. So. Uh, we're going to have a rail out there this time. Uh, the wave lights won't be there, but the rail will be there. And, I mean, people are hit or miss on the Brickyard. I think maybe I say I said Brickyard too much. But, um, but yeah, uh, maybe we could still call it the Brickyard, <laughs> I guess. Gotcha. Well, I just, I just wanted to know because, you know, I think that was one of the big storylines last year. <laughs> I'm joking around with you, but that was definitely a fun touch to those meets. But I guess they went – down to Florida or, you know, Caribbean islands on retirement, and we probably won't see them again. But I, I had to get that question off my chest, probably probably the biggest question of the whole podcast. Anyways, with all that being said, Jeff, yeah. it's been a pleasure speaking with you this past hour, going through these races, and uh, I'm excited to hear you behind the mic commentating in what is, in my opinion, one of the biggest meets of the year so far, the track meet presented by Tracklandia and Sound Running. So, Jeff, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, man. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, I look forward to seeing you on the stream. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Running Effect. If you enjoyed it as much as I did, please like, subscribe, and share to help us out. It would really mean a lot. Make sure you turn on the notification bell and subscribe to the show so that you get upcoming podcasts that will be coming your way shortly. With that being said, God bless you all.